salmon see. Welcome. Uh, during this episode, there will be some clicking because we have a photographer here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Photo Corbin, Noel. Yes. The paparazzi, actually. Yeah, so <laughs> just, uh, just your personal paparazzi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Ask Adele and Anna uh, here at Holmen. Holmen. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Coast Contemporary is on. And we are having our first on-island talk with... On-island? <laughs> on-island! <laughs> uh, with Kiyoshi. My name is Kiyoshi Yamamoto. I'm half Brazilian, half Japanese. But I do live and work in Bergen. Yeah, I'm, I'm 36 years old. And have been... A, I'm a professional student. I've been studying my entire life. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm an artist, full-time. Great! Okay, we have... Uh, uh, done some googling of you and we decided to uh, on a few questions that we wanted to get your advice on mm-hmm. so you did a google on me it's the contemporary research <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay that's okay just that's a lot of crap on google yeah well, the first question we have for you is i have been away from art for 10 years and I find it hard to get back into the game. Do you guys have any suggestions for how to pick up where I left off? I mean, is there a reason why you left? So I will always ask, like, why did you left? And you, because if, if, you have, if someone has been part of the game, not really a game, that's not a really a game. If someone has been work as a professional artist, I think you know what you have to do. You have to write applications, you have to yeah. find projects, you have to, you know, see on what you are do, what you want to do it. But I think before you, you start invest your time, I would maybe ask myself, why did I stop? Hmm. Because there's a reason in there. And then try to maybe not do the same. I don't know, from that evaluation. Yeah. I don't know why she stopped for 10 years. Maybe it's just like, stop producing, but did not stop to be an artist. It's two different things. You know, like you can be an artist and work with education or mm-hmm. work in a museum and a gallery and not produce art. Mm-hmm. And you can be like a person who just really stop everything. So I don't know yeah. in which. But yeah. 10 years is, is a lot. It's a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the distinction you make but between stopping producing and mm-hmm. stop being an artist. Yeah. yeah, because we also had a question how to know when to stop. Just when to somebody... stop to produce, yeah. 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 Or just is. when I I mean I took it as when do you give up? I mean never give up. Hello. That's the <laughs> question number one. Never give up. Never give up. If if it's something you want to do. I think if you are really, really, really artist, I think you can't give up. You know what I mean? I think that maybe you have been like a season in the artist. Or maybe you just meet something in life that make this dream to stop. But I think that even that she sent this question, 10 years after this means has been back of this person's head, like in the thoughts, think like, yeah. okay, everything. Mm-hmm. So you see like you don't stop. As a real artist, I don't think you really, really stop. And you know from inside what you have to do. And you have to listen maybe that. As someone who stopped making work for six or seven years, mm-hmm. um, I noticed that I, you know, if you're used to being creative, it just, you just end up fueling it into something else. And so for me, that ended up being like for a while I was cooking and it was writing and but I was always making like somehow Mm -hmm. I was always being creative. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the question is, I guess, 
if they have this big gap on their CV and they want to get back in and they want to apply for things, like what are some suggestions? I don't think it's a problem. I don't think it's a, I don't think that gap is a problem. And most when we're adults, we know that life is quite hard. And sometimes you have to prioritize, maybe you want to be, make a family and have other things. And I don't think that should be a problem. And I, don't f and I really wish that curators and producers and people do not like judge us by this gap. Because but life people, is so hard. But we are judged by it. Yeah, we are. But I mean, I don't think that can be a really, really... I mean, if you can deliver something good... I always have that idea that if you can deliver something, from, you can come back in this, uh, to be a professional artist, because it is a game. And also depends on which, uh, uh, how is it called, not perspective, uh, what you want, you know, like what's your perspective, what's your ambitions, like you can't just think you're going to come back after 10 years and stop and have a show at, <coughs> let's say, Bellingham Kunsthall. You have to be realistic and do the stuffs. I don't think it's a problem and I think you should come back do the project, try to analyze what you have left and maybe <coughs> just do something totally else. Mm. But my advice would be like, please come back as SAP. <laughs> because yeah, you yeah, need, yeah. I think you are on the need. Yeah. If you wrote this question, I think you are on the need. Yeah. And you can start producing on your kitchen table and maybe just analyzing with what you have done mm -hmm. and see the situation, what's going on right now. And yeah, and, yeah, and just come back, please. You're mm -hmm. welcome. <laughs> don't you think I, I think yeah, that's yeah. I, think like no, I, I think it's uh, it's really good what you're saying also in terms of what expectations mm -hmm. the person should have yeah because because uh, it takes time just not to build up connections or mm -hmm. networks that we talked about earlier with uh, Lupin and it's that's a part of the work and that's mm -hmm. That's about commitment and, and endurance somehow. And yeah, yeah. And so therefore, like, uh, when you get back, you, yeah. Be patient. Be patient. Yeah, you yeah. can't, yeah, like you said, you can't expect to just have this amazing exhibition and a great Big space show. if you've been out of it. For 10 years. Or maybe you're going to have it, you never know. Maybe what you want. Maybe this is your time. Just, just put yourself together and do the job. And, and, and really try to analyze what happened who make you not produce on mm. those last 10 years and but just don't make a big deal of i think i think if, if it's, it's very mental this job is about is a, you have to take care of your mental health first <laughs> and then prepare yourself to you know if when you get rejections again and when people not get it i mean just uh, prepare yourself and maybe just do it and not, yeah. not mm. overthink so much. And ask friends for help, I would mm. say. You know, if you're making applications and... I mean, you do have to get used to rejection. I think we've talked about this before. Mm. But um, have friends look over applications. When I was trying to get back into things, I set up a day where I had snacks and friends could come over. And uh, I gave a presentation with a power... Like a... What do you call it? Uh, PowerPoint? Projector. Oh, projector. Wow. amazing. <laughs> and just to practice. And then afterwards they critiqued, you know, because I was going to do interviews for graduate school. Um, but they critiqued like where, you know, where I needed improvement. Mm. And it's really scary, but you have to, you're going to have to make more effort than someone who just, you know, is Graduate, yeah. already in it. Yeah. So did, uh, not only your skills, but did you also feel like you had to sort of move on your, con like to work on your confidence as an artist as well? Yeah. And that started, I just started working on, on making work, you know, and, and applying 
I started at, I don't want to call it low level shows, but like, you know, just local calls to art, like in town, there's a theme. I would, because I was having trouble figuring out like where I, where my work was going, I just would make work for the theme. And then as I got used to making again and um, showing again, then I had more confidence and then I... Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Very, that's, that's a well good tip. Like, yeah. That's how you, you should start. Yeah. <laughs> start local and then go national. International. And universal. Yeah, but I think, like, I, think, I think the most important is just do it. Because I think if someone... Uh, uh, really want if someone is really artist if you are really 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 from inside I think you are on the need just to put out in any yeah. form can yeah. be writing can be like you know can be anything just start singing I think you'll be good yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next question is how do you deal with postgraduate anxiety and feeling institutionalized oh, oh. oh. anyone recognizes this Feeling every day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. Actually, I have a very good quote from uh, Annie Albers, because in her last catalog, um, she she died. Her last show, her last big solo show when she was alive, had a catalog where she wrote the 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 foreword, like introduction. In on this introduction, she started the text saying that. The most asked question for his students is what to do after education. And she just started this text and said, like, you can do anything for anywhere to everywhere. It's yeah. like, depends on you. You are the one who, 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 you are the one who could decide. You are the one who have control of this, right? And that quote was really important for me when I finished the school. It was very empowering to think that, okay, I can do whatever I want, from where I want, when I want, and just go for it. I have been part, as I started saying that I'm a professional student, because I have been, always been part of an institution. Mm -hmm. I did have like two and a half BAs, and <laughs> how many MAs, and three schools from here and there, and have doing all the type of Erasmus and exchange you can think about it. And I almost, when I finished my MA, after 10 years of high education, I was like, maybe I should do uh, architecture education. So, I mean, <laughs> from inside, I really like this idea of learning something, and I mm. like this institution, institution idea that you can be related to someone or to an idea, Mm. So, but it is a problem when you're that long. For myself, I finished my education uh, at the academy in Bergen and I started working in there immediately. Mm -hmm. How long like have you been year. out of, uh, I out of school? I six years ago. Yeah. Five, six years, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, and it's not so long, but feel for me is like ages yeah. ago. But I was working in the institution because I really like it, the vibe and everything in there that so has to do. <laughs> As a teaching, and I was yeah. also taking niche. I have been like assistant from professor. I, I mean, I have been just. I just want to be part of that discussion because I like it. Mm -hmm. And but it comes no point where I need to actually say thank you very much. <laughs> give me a, give a big hug to all the friends and teachers. Like I'm so grateful, but I really have to take a distance from the institution mm -hmm. and grow, do mm -hmm. things by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But have you sort of um, re not recreated the, the educational institution, but where do you find uh, the things you need 
Um, oh, that's very important. I never get depend of an institution to produce art. Mm. This is very clear. So that what I like from the institution is the the atmosphere of being in a place when everyone is thinking and, and have the same interests as me. That I like it. But about producing, I knew it very fast. I did not want to be dependent of the school. So I work a lot with textile printing and textile designs and always uh, I had my own studio. When I finished, when I graduated, the first thing I did was to find me a, a studio space. Mm-hmm. I was like, doesn't matter. I knew they did not have the money. I was broke. But I was like, I just need to have a place to work. Mm-hmm. And that would be my, my my main workspace. Like, even if I had this school that I had to work in that 50%, but mm-hmm. my studio is always the priority for everything that I do. Mm-hmm. So I started creating stuff that I did not depend on the schools and also buying little by little, building up my own studio. Mm-hmm. And But also not to be so attached of this idea that I need those tools. It's not... I, I don't want my art to be dependent on tools and equipment. Yeah, like you, you know said I mean? before, you know, you can work on your kitchen table. Yeah, you can I do... I think sometimes we forget that. Yeah, you can do from everywhere. And I think that if you come in a point that, oh, you can't produce art because you don't have this, this, this and that, then I think like, maybe you should rethink what you are doing. Because mm-hmm. it should not be about that. I mean, I always try to... And um, sometimes I get this question, why I do so many different things? Because I do work both with sculpture and performance and do I do and I do whatever I want mm-hmm. but it's because first I have the idea mm-hmm. and if my idea want to have a beautiful textile printed cloth I will do that but if this idea want to be a performance I will work for it find how how can I manage to produce that but I do not stop idea because of any type of equipment so the institution when I finish um, I was really into printmaking when I finished my MA and immediately associate myself with a printmaking studio in Bergen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, how can I come? How can I use those frames? How can I do this or that and that? Mm-hmm. And how can I make it cheap as possible? Yeah. I can clean mm-hmm. for you one day. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I was cleaning this friend of my studio one day in a week. I had no problem to that. So he can allow me to use his printing press. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a, such a great deal. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. fantastic. I did not have the money to buy the most expensive silk that I use today. Like, you know, like... 250 meters that time I have to use like old silk that I bought from FedEx from child shop I went in there I saw which clothes was made of silk I bought them I cut them I paint mm. them so <laughs> it's, I, I, I and I was not interested in recycling using recycled materials but I was interested in the fiber yeah. and that material was important for my idea so I just went then and took it and sometimes I also bought with my credit card if it was a material that I <laughs> no, want to. No, don't recommend this. <laughs> no, I'm not recommending, but I just say like I was in that limit that if I really want to do something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but ask Audley and I cannot, uh, <laughs> we yeah. cannot endorse, support, this. endorse credit cards. Uh. We do not support any type of loans <laughs> to build art. But I mean, if you want to do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess what you're saying is you just need to make sure you're, you're a resourceful person. Like that's maybe the most important skill to have. Yes. Be yes, resourceful, like what network do you have? What equipment can mm, you exchange or barter? Mm, or how can I make that easier? Yeah. Or maybe if I have a, a recipe of something like, with some chemicals that I don't have it, how can I use something else? Yeah. And yeah, I just, and I did not make a big deal out of I just knew that I had mm. deadlines, mm-hmm. I had projects to be made, and just have to be done. And yeah. I just... <laughs> 
I'm an artist living in a rented apartment with no savings. It's all good, but I'm 35, I never plan ahead, and I started to dread regretting things in the near future. I still don't know if I want kids, for example, and sometimes I feel like I live in a 20-year-old and my life doesn't seem to improve much. It's being a generational thing doesn't console me. Should I be setting goals for myself? How does one do that? I mean, how amazing you are living as a 20 years old. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, yeah. but I, mean, I, should, I don't know about you guys, but when I had a quite, uh, um, I had a, it was quite hard when I also become 30 and all these, all my other friends that did not study art, had their normal life and started to buy houses and cars and have all the babies that they want to have and, you know, have that normal uh, systematic life. Mm -hmm. And of course, when we compare ourselves in that situation, then it sounds like we are not so serious, something yeah. like that. Yeah. So I've, what I had to work with me with a lot of therapy help was like not compare myself to those friends yeah and most not compare myself to my male white friends mm. because they have a totally different uh, situation in in, in in their society and they can get things in another i don't say it's bad i'm just like i try not to compare myself to and what i see from that question is that maybe that person is comparing herself with something or someone family i mean do you do you have a partner? That's a question. Do you have a yeah. partner? Have you talked with you this partner if you want to have yeah. a, to have a family? I think I think you have to start from that because mm -hmm. maybe if you if you are a single woman or a man and want to have a baby and a house, maybe you have to decide if you want the house of the baby because both of you. I don't know. <laughs> I went to actually to therapy to work that mm, like to not compare myself American. and to accept that I will have a different adult yeah life i mean that i will not have the same as my friends but uh, you have good mm -hmm. i'll do my own you know yeah. what i mean like but it's it, i really do ex exercise they have exist many many exercises you can google that's like how to not compare yourself with any other person else or, or circumstance and really do your own and i feel that when i let that go mm everything come easier. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. It's so great to hear, uh, yeah, yeah but especially when you work through this so thoroughly. Yeah, yeah, I did, I did, like really hard because I felt that that was taking so much of my time and always I was like, give, I felt that I was always in the end of the line, you know, like my mm. friends was always mm. in the front of the queue and I had to always be running. I was like, but that's stupid. Why should we feel like that? So I've actually, yeah, searched for professional help and like, mm. how can I, turn this table around yeah. and yeah. really like look life with different perspectives and do not push myself in that way that's so unhealthy because sometimes it can be quite painful mm -hmm. when you know that you could also have achieved something that someone very close of you just got it mm. it's not to be jealous i think it's two different things you know like you can always feel jealous for seconds seconds of jealousy like oh I just felt this and then move on. But when you start really comparing, you feel heavy and and you just have to work with that and let it go. Mm. But I think there's two issues in the question. There's the comparison because they're, they're mentioning their age. 
So that's something like, by this age, I haven't achieved this, this, and this. But then also the question um, deals with setting goals. And I think the person's asking if they should start setting goals, but they haven't said what they actually want. Yeah. No. You know, and they've said what they don't know, like they don't know if they want kids or not. Mm. But, but, but is it, isn't the person, the, the person in, okay, so uh, one of the examples is the person, oh, I haven't started saving. Yeah. Well, if that's important to you, when then you can start saving now. Yeah. Make a savings goal, break it into realistic chunks. You know, like they always say, and say you're supposed to have an emergency fund, like six months worth of living expenses and you just got to figure out how much that is and like realistically yeah and how long it's going to take you but that if it's not a goal you're not going to do it at all no unless you just have excess money but how do you do with your goals do you guys have goals in life do you i love savings goals i mean right now i don't have any because I, i my money is sporadic but yeah i i used to have this um bank account where you could set a goal and then it's a little kind of thermometer and as you add to it it kind of moves up and then when you get it it's kind of like you know celebration oh i need that account <laughs> yeah. i had to call my bank and ask if they have that application or something but they would you could choose an amount you wanted to save or you could choose uh well it was always an amount but it was you could do it by time or by like you could give it a time deadline or there's two different ways to do it mm. Um, and sometimes you'd be like, whoa, I can't save that much that fast. And so you'd have to like, you know, get some perspective. Mm. But I think it's good to have goals, but just make sure they're ones you actually want. Yeah. And also that are, well, things can also be unachievable, but I think if they're unach- totally unachievable, you should also have some lower goals or at least like don't necessarily, don't feel disappointed if you don't reach your goals. They can just sort of, sort of more be like a vision or something like that in the future. Mm-hmm. Because you, um, do, you do end up keeping things in mind. I mean, we were talking about the importance of writing earlier. And there there was one year where I was like, okay, I need to... It was like this postgraduate anxiety thing happening. And so um, my friend Ryan had told me about a planner you could use called a passion planner. And I'm not... It's kind of, to me, like a little cheesy. <laughs> Write it down. Um, to me, it felt a little cheesy. But then at the same time, I'm like, I need to actually set goals. And it... Um, you know, you followed this kind of web where you wrote down long goals, like lifetime goal, three months goal, one year. And then I thought, you know, it's going to be one year goal that I need to achieve. But then when I actually got to the part where you're decide, like where they're telling you how to break down your goal, it was a shorter one. Mm. And then what are the steps? What are the deadlines you give yourself for each thing? So for me, I wanted to, um, what did I want to do? I wanted to get a grant to do a residency. And so I was like, what do I need to do? I need to work on my website. I need to work on my CV. Like all the things, all the things you have to organize in order to apply for something. Um, I need to look up grants. I need to find ones that are realistic to apply to. You know, it's just like breaking it into mm. little chunks that were were doable. Mm. And it ended up, I mean, it, it worked. I, I couldn't maintain that kind of goal setting all the time because I'm not that organized. But, <laughs> but it really works, you know, to just put things in perspective. Like you don't have to achieve your lifetime goal today. You know, it's... You don't have to achieve the goal of the year today. Like, pick one that's closer, and yeah, you that wanna, kind of you gives know. you momentum. Like, you feel like you you can do it, and then you maybe can make bigger ones. I I have some like concrete goals or things I want to achieve or things I want to have done and deadlines. But then more than goals, I have like guidelines for myself, mm. like how to keep my mental health uh, stable, how to not get sick, how to 
You know, oh, like, that was yeah. real nice ge- uh, guidelines. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, you talked about that, didn't you? Yeah. So it's more more that like it's a framework that I can work within that I know like slowly will help me move. <laughs> no, in my as an artist, I, I don't think I have so much. No, I don't have. I don't have goals. I have more like superficial goals, like let my hair grow. Oh, yeah. You know, like oh, wash it? wash my yeah. hair every day in this period. But to me, it's like a... <laughs> do my nails more. Often. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you still have sort of. <laughs> but I'm thinking in terms of goals. To me, it's like well, I think of like the like the the fire or the energy inside of me that I want. It's like I wanted to burn the right way. Yeah. I think that's like it's like a force inside, mm. and I just want. How can I point out racial or gender bias in institutions? Yeah, in oh, a way that doesn't uh, uh, that not in a professional in a way. professional way. Whatever that means, though. That's very hard. <laughs> I have been trying to do that now mm-hmm. lately. Actually, I have a show in Bergen at a gallery called Craft. That's a lot of that because um, and I made actually a painting that's with a quote who says do not compare yourself to white straight guys and the core of racism it is color it is this color of her skin so i have been um, trying to use that but it's, it's it's something very difficult i have been experienced racism in mm-hmm. institutions and quite large institutions that i could not imagine i have and also i have been experienced things kind of um uh, let's say that I have a project to get. I was in a group show with uh, some white straight males and me very gay, and some female friends. We have been doing things together. We large institution and this um, male friend, white and straight, he asked for something, and what he has been asked for is treated as a professionalism, like, oh, he's so professional, you're so good at taking care. And sometimes I made requests, and I had been called diva. Mm. In front of people, like, they just shut up, like, you know, mm. like, it's a conversation, ask for this and this and that, and they say, like, oh, but you're so diva, Kyoshi. It's like, you know, because I think that people know that in that they're going to break me now, and the conversation stops. Well, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, poof. Like, what, you. what do you say? What do you say after someone calls you a diva? Like, I just ask for white wall and suddenly I'm a diva. So I think that this um, this happens everywhere. I don't know how to deal with mm-hmm. I struggle. When I was working with small institutions, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> I think it was easier. I think the okay. biggest institution, clear it is. Ah, uh, more clear the racism. Yes, mm. and mm. not only racism because of color, but also gender and yeah. mm-hmm. your social background mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how you talk, how you speak, how you behave, and and I don't know about you guys, but it's quite scary when you when you meet those situations. And I think it's nice that we are talking about it and people are doing and say things. I know that there is all the programs in Norway that it is discussing this idea. But it's it's well it's well hard and it can be quite uh, frustrating because yeah. you just want to do your job. Mm. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah, it's another layer. Yeah, another yeah. layer. And it's not also, hard enough to be. Yeah, and this. also like I, I I was given a good example. I was given a lecture at the academy in Bergen about the hundred years of Bauhaus, and they invited me because of Annie Albers because I have been uh, studying and researching a lot about Annie before she got this old hypeness. 
that she is now. And I took, I was looking for to do some fun and took the mouse, the picture from the older masters from Bauhaus and I was trying to make a relation with the academy and I was gluing, uh, uh, making a photoshop with the face of the professor, 100% of the academy in Bergen with one of the masters, just to have fun. But then <laughs> suddenly, just to have this, like, oh, those are the people who live in the mountain. And then suddenly I just found in Bergen right now, there is only one woman who is a hundred percent professor in the art academy. All the other professor, a hundred percent positions are done by white, straight males. Wow. And Bauhaus, a hundred years ago, had only one woman as a, as a master. Oh. That was good. And it went a hundred years and you still have the big, the big, big position, the one that gets fucking good paid, the one who can actually make the change, is still not up for mm. grabs. Like people of color, homosexuals and women, they get the 50%. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get mm. 80 if you are very fucking lucky. So I think that we have to discuss, we have to talk more about it. I also ask for help of my uh, male straight friends. They're the one who has to include. Mm. They're the one who has to include, you know, like, and for instance, I, I have been done a show in Bergen. I have been jewelry of the uh, Norwegian crafts and our exhibition. And we made sure that was uh, uh, more cultural, but mm. more cultural for real, you know, like. Yeah. So we did something over there, but I don't know how to deal with, and I hope someone has good tips, please tell me. (laughs) Um, Actually, I think this question, uh, I think we'll try to ask it to most people we talk to here. Yeah, there were some questions that were like, we we hear, okay, we we can't just go through the questions, some questions we really have to get more uh, feedback, more perspectives and yeah and try not to be aggressive that's what i try to do i try to have this conversation without to make me as victim victim and to not be aggressive either because i really want to discuss i don't want to just get stopped again because because i think the problem when we start to talk about racism and social position is that suddenly someone can get angry and then the discussions go to another level so i think that just, just to talk about it and to know how, what people think, I think, I think is really nice, and and I really hope that the younger generation, like you know, like preschool, like the ones who go to pre-art school, foundation course, I think those kids should be more talking about this, you know what mm. I mean, like because then they're gonna come in the academy with, I know the attitude and with expectations to see like a multicultural mm-hmm. background. So I think that they are the ones that want to fuck. It's quite hard. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Welcome. I'm never gonna listen to this podcast as I say. I hate to listen to my own voice, but I think it's nice. Yeah, it's it's been great talking to you. Yeah.